and welcome to the Dead Down Podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and the duct tape off, Mr. Hoffman. Man, how are we? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm splendid. We're both sitting here on this sunny afternoon by the Kinks, drinking cups of leafy teas, and it's very, you know, lockdown Melbourne podcasty vibes. And I'm just happy to be here, Dante. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was happy to be outside uh, 20 minutes ago, just soaking up the last of the afternoon sun. But I, I am happy to be here. It's just, you know, I'm reading a good book at the moment. Can't, can't you do an outside podcast? Yeah, I probably could. But uh, my housemate is uh, sanding sanding her uh, bedside table. So mm. potentially a little bit of noise interference. Yeah, not not prime podcast real estate. <laughs> yeah, so I'm locked locked here in the chamber of silence. Yeah, okay, okay, that's all right. Um well, Dante, I'll let you introduce what we're going to talk about today. Another deep two classic that isn't really, but I'm I'm excited. I feel like we can call it a deep two classic. Have we done it once? Um, yeah, I think we've done it. I think we've done it once. <laughs> yeah, in- nice. This is our this is what this is our third off season and we've done it once. This yeah. and, and then it'll be our we've done it once previously. So this is the second time. Two two and three years, you know, that's at least cult classic, even if it's not like mainstream classic. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So we're doing our off-season grades. We're gonna go back through the teams and basically be like, here's what they did. Did we like it? And then because everyone loved easy to understand letter grades, we're gonna assign them a letter grade. The catch is the way we've organized it. Instead of doing our usual left and right in conference, we're going to go good and bad. So we're starting off today with the good and good, good and bad and yeah, conferences. The good, the good and bad in conferences. So we're starting off today with the best teams in the league. And we will start at the top and work our way back towards the middle, which means. Thank you to all of our Utah Jazz fans for your patience, but you're kicking off the show. So congrats. <laughs> we got a big hand for the Utah Jazz. <laughs> this isn't a four-man wave, so you're not going to get any <laughs> sound effects, but but nice trying. Um, and I'll just build on that and say that our grading system is very, like, you know, we're trying to keep it as, as even as possible, and that's obviously hard to do because while some teams might have one max salary spot, some teams might, might be right up against the cap. So we're going to be grading the teams based on, the opportunity they had. So just with the Utah Jazz coming up, they don't have much flexibility. They're likely not going to trade any of their of their key guys. So we're going to be grading them on what they could do, which is pretty much just extend one player and sign one player. Um, C is average. If you get a C, it's not bad. It just means that you did what you just did the expected outcome. Um, and obviously A and then B, C. I don't need to say the alphabet. We know how, we know how grading works. Yeah we, yeah, we know how grades work for the most part. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks, Dante. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. One thing, I, another thing I did want to mention is that obviously the Simmons teams are a little bit TBD and thank you, Ben Simmons for making this podcast just have a tiny asterisk on it because there's about three teams here where I'm just like, okay, well, obviously one of them's Philly, but you're like, okay, well, let's hold on. Let's just see what happens with the Simmons trade. But I digress again and let's get into it with the Utah Jazz. So the things they did this offseason was draft Jared Butler with the 40th pick. They re-signed Mike Conley to a three for $72.5 million deal. They signed Rudy Gay to two for 12 million, which was their mid-level exception. And they got Hassan Whiteside on what must be a minimum contract. And they traded Eric Prashkel in one of the more odd uh, underreported trades that was just sort of not even a salary dump, a roster spot dump. Uh, and they moved on from Derek Favors to OKC and George Snang, who went to Philadelphia. Um, Dante, you want to kick us off with your thoughts on Utah's offseason? 
So I'm giving them a C plus uh, for a few reasons, namely that I don't love getting Mike Conley back on three years at almost 25 million a pop. I understand that that's at, at some level just the going rate, um, especially when you compare it to what someone like Kyle Lowry got. But there's there is just the you know the little like heebie-jeebie factor of giving an old small point guard lots of money a long way into the future. Uh, and then the other thing for me that, that is going to dock them um, is the fact that when they traded Derek Favors to OKC, uh, they had to attach a pick there, which, you know, attaching a pick to salary dump someone that you like deliberately sought out at the start of free agency last year uh, is a pretty big loss considering that neither the move, obviously this is a last offseason move, but the move didn't work out and you've had to surrender draft capital or trade assets, whichever way you want to look at it to get off of it. Um, so I, I think the the Rudy Gay and, and Pascal uh, additions are, are more likely to be kind of peripheral. And I think stylistically bringing in Whiteside to be your, your backup centre just locks you into that Gobert, um, that Gobert style, which we've seen obviously works uh, in the regular season, but then in the postseason, we know exactly what happens and not having a, not having anything else to pivot to um, and bringing your backup centre in to do the exact same thing that your starting centre does just much worse when it's been proven that even your starting centre doing that well isn't enough. Uh, I think that that is significant reason to question um, the moves made by Dennis Lindsay in the front office. Yeah. All right. Well, first major difference, because I've given them an A+. Um, Derek Favors didn't play well last year. He played well in New Orleans the season prior, but last year was not good. And that was a mistake from the previous offseason. I haven't docked them too much for giving up what was the 30th pick because they won what, what was the equivalent of like 60 games again. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at it like, you're locked into the team with Donovan Mitchell. You're locked into the team with Rudy Gobert, and they're not going to trade one of those two guys. And yes, they have their foibles in the offseason, and obviously Rudy Gobert, while a defensive player of the year, struggles to defend in space when it really matters, which is that's simply just the player he is. And I'm not going to critique them on a dude that just helps you win 50 games no matter what, but then struggles in the playoffs. So with their flexibility of, okay, we've got this, and they're going to win their 60 games regardless. What they've done is using their limited mobility, they've been able to get Rudy Gay, who is an interesting, switchable, flexible player, a bit like Nicholas Batum. Maybe we're going to see a similar <laughs> renaissance and you know, maybe he can't, he can't be the thorn in Rudy Gobert's side. But they've got Rudy Gay who can play four through five in which is like incredible to say if you just you know fast forward from five years or go back five years ago and then i i yes some white side isn't that good but to go from Derek favors who wasn't good last year getting paid 10 million dollars to hassan Whiteside, who also isn't good but still plays a similar role as a backup and he's only going to be playing behind rudy gobert he's going to be playing like 10 12 minutes on a minimum so like you look at the actual skill drop off from Derek Favors to Sam Whiteside, and then look at their money drop off, and it's like that's fine. Like, would I prefer they got Javale McGee? Sure. I mean, like you're really splitting hairs there. Jared Butler was supposed to be a first round pick, but he fell with health con health concerns, which is like. I'm starting to think that's a huge concern considering how far he fell and he was only eligible for the draft like two weeks before the draft. There was actually some, some members that he might actually miss being drafted at all, which is like 
the freak's going on there. I, I don't know what's happening there. Um, and then, yeah, Pascal, as I said at the start, which is one of the more interesting pickups in the whole entire league, Pascal is a good friend of Donovan Mitchell's uh, and he just he just wanted to be there and Golden State wanted a roster spot. So they traded, Utah traded a top 55 protected second round pick, which obviously you can just buy for a bag of peanuts and draft night. So it's just like essentially giving Eric Pascal to this team. And it's like, sure. I mean, he's a backup power forward. He can't defend and he'll, he'll start going downhill once every 10 games and you're like, hang on. But then you realize it's just Eric Pascal. I've, I've, I've tricked myself already. Um, but yeah, just, I've just said, with their limited flexibility, they got more flexible on the court, and Rudy Gobert was one of the uh, sorry, Rudy Gay was one of the best mid-level targets out there, and they got him. Yeah, I, I think it all makes sense on paper, but Rudy Gay is old, and um, Pascal's not that good. So mm. I think the Pascal's not going to play that much though. But yeah, so so that that that's a fair point. But Rudy Gay being old, um, you know, you're, you're right in saying that he gives him a little bit of like four or five flexibility um, in a way that um, Gobert and Whiteside don't. Um, but I think the main thing that we were, that that you know, aside from the the annual like Gobert system meltdown that that they have in the playoffs, the the other weakness they had is that they just had no one who could defend on the perimeter. And they still don't really have that. None of the players that they've brought in are going to do that. Rudy Gay, you you know, you mentioned he's a he's a big wing-sized body who five years ago, maybe you'd say, like, all right, we'll throw him on like, you know, the opposing three and say, like, let's give it a go. But now that's just not how it happens at all. So you're still kind of left with Royce O'Neill as your only like wing and, and Joe Ingles guy. and Mike Conley. Well, I mean, like Mike Conley's not stopping, you know, like the, that the big like apex wing creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 to be to be to be completely honest, like Ingles' days of locking down Paul George in the in the playoffs a couple of years ago, like well and truly behind him. He's he's no longer. I would like say a, well and truly, they're they're behind him. There was two years ago. It was it was it, it was probably three years ago, and I watched I watched the playoffs last year as well, so I I know <laughs> what I saw. I, I trust I trust my tape. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I just kind of don't feel like they got appreciably better. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where, where I end up. There's a lot of money going out to Conley. There's a couple of moves that kind of like, you know, suit the system that has been um, – that there's reasons to question the system. So doubling down again inside mm. the system while sending out a lot of money and not appreciably improving, I I, I, I just can't look on it particularly favorably well well, two things there firstly the mike conley deal is only 58 million guaranteed so as soon as you look at it where it's like oh he shit the bed after year two well then they're only guaranteeing him for like 10 million dollars in that final year and you can just clean your hands of it that's better but in terms of the system this isn't the offseason nor will probably next offseason be the time that they change the system because if you're a rich billionaire owning a team and your team will just constantly churn out 60 wins, you're probably going to keep it as it is because you could just keep saying to your fans, oh, hey, but we're this number one seed and we're really good and we just keep winning games. Donovan Mitchell's getting better. You and I both don't think they're going to win a title. My days of thinking they're going to win a title in the past because, as we said at the start, Gobert cannot defend in space in the playoffs. Um and it's like, this isn't the time to change the system. And yes, like the system might not work, but this is the system they have. And for their flexibility, I think they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's fair, but I just kind of wonder like with, 
someone like let's say like the the Lebronto era Raptors like doing the same thing again and just expecting it to be different you know like it it, it gives me similar vibes here where like yes it's the system yes they're not going to change it but adding a little bit of flexibility inside it in like a meaningful way that Rudy Gay is not going to play 25 minutes a game for you um, in a way that's going to substantially change the way that you do things. Obviously, I've talked about Whiteside kind of just being like a shitty go-bear replica. Um, the system is the system. They're going to play with the system probably for as long as they have Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder as GM and coach. But I think there is there is scope for a little bit more exploration, especially when I don't think it's an overstatement to say that like the Jazz are replicating immense clipper energy at the moment in the sense of like, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Like you can win 60 games, you can be the one seed, you can steamroll the first round and, and I'll believe it when I see you actually like putting up a fight in the second round. Um, Cause that's what we've seen. You know, we, we've seen the wheels fall off at that exact spot the last three seasons. So mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. Because as always, they're very well thought out and prescient points made by you, but I just can't, I can't bring myself completely over to your. Yeah, your I, I, I understand because you're banging your head against the wall. Did you ever play Far Cry Three in like the PlayStation Three era? No, I was never a Far Cry Far Cry right. man. Well, there was this dude. Um, there was this bad guy called Vast, and this is like a fucking a deep, deep take at the back of my brain that you just like struck when you said doing the same thing over and over again because there's this moment in the game when you get captured you're a hostage and there's this psychopath in front of you vast who's just like you know what insanity is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and it got turned into like you know you can imagine like quote epic wallpapers that were like 720p <laughs> back in 2015 that were like whoa look at the quality it looks like a real human and like it was obviously a playstation 3 game so it doesn't look that good but um yeah he just says the definition of insanity paraphrasing uh he's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something to change uh <clears throat> the utah jazz but should we get so should we get it, so we get this bloke to kidnap dennis Lindsay and like tell him that <laughs> I mean, like, it's a little bit different to, like, strictly being insane because if you can be insane and just keep making money and over and over again, it's probably a, a fine way to be. Yeah. I mean, like, when you look at it that way, yeah, I, I tend to agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to your Phoenix Suns. Uh, and do you want to go through their their particulars? So we brought back Chris Paul on a partially guaranteed four-year $120 million deal. Uh, Cameron Payne re-signed on a three-year $19 million deal million dollar deal everybody's favorite bench guy abdel nader came back on a two-year four million four million dollar deal and franco minsky re-signed for the minimum god bless him uh as well as javel mcgee coming in on a one-year five million dollar deal and everyone's favorite erstwhile nick <laughs> elf payton coming in uh we also traded uh javon carter for landry shamet um who comes from the Brooklyn Nets and Tory Craig signed for Indiana. And I've just caught myself saying Craig, wreck myself. Because <laughs> I spelled Craig. Craig. <laughs> yeah, you fucking tripped me up. Tory Craig, because that's how we say C R A I G, Craig, uh, signed for Indiana. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a B. Sean, what say you? Yeah, so I've actually given them an A plus, and I was a little bit worried when I was writing these <laughs> writing these ratings because I'm like, shit, two teams in, two A pluses. But I think they're my only A pluses for the whole entire offseason where Cameron Payne might be 
the best free the best deal of this whole entire offseason. Like obviously the best deal is probably like someone like Steph Curry, just because he's Steph Curry. But for someone like Cameron Payne, who deserves more money than this, you got him at three for nineteen. Chris Paul had you guys over a barrel, and even if you didn't make the finals, he would have you over a barrel because you've already committed to him. But the fact that you're able to come out of it with four for one twenty, which is a lot, but as you said, partially guaranteed, and that final year's got like half guaranteed and there's also a partial guarantee in the third year which is like incredible that he's giving that up when you think someone like new york would just throw that money at him um abdel nader i can fully see him outplaying this contract and it's on a two-year deal which is like saves the team even more um and then just before like javon carter for landry Shamet. I'd love to see your thoughts on it, but like Javon Carter isn't like, as you said, he he's, he's good at things that Phoenix didn't need. And then you just take a look at Landry, which is like, what's this? The third team taking a look at Landry, but look, you, you've scraped the carcass of Alfred Payton off of Times Square. I think he was like <laughs> stuck to that bull and like, you know, some, some end of the Joker scenes, but he if had to you- glue his skull back together. <laughs> If you had JaVale McGee on one year $5 million last year, do you win the title? Maybe, I mean, maybe. Like, we need we need Booker to not shoot, like, you know, 42% down the stretch. But, but you also need less Franco Minsky and less Darius Aric for one hey, minute. Hey, there was there, – we had we had the Franco Minsky game where he, where he came in. <laughs> no, you didn't. He came in with 10 points. He had that nice little – had that nice little drive from the perimeter into the lane and then that I little, think little one of them, dude, spin. One Probably. of them was a skill play. The rest were all opportunistic. Like it was a Franco Minsky game, but pff, it's not like that, the Calio Linux game. Are you saying that Michael Jordan wasn't opportunistic? Opportunism <laughs> is a skill. Yeah, he crossed over Byron Russell, and it's like he had the opportunity to shoot. Like, you know, anyone would take that. No, don't worry about the crossover. Um, so I've <laughs> given them an A plus, but you've given them a B. Why am I more keen on your Phoenix Suns? Well, because you know, if there's one thing that we know about me and Phoenix Suns, Sean, <laughs> it's that <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty cautious when it comes to the Suns. Uh, in, in in all seriousness, though, I did uh, I did originally give them the B plus, um, but I I just decided to temper myself and knock myself down a half grade. I think the discussion with the Chris Paul deal, whilst whilst it's um, it's easy to understand in binaries, like you look at the the you know one side being completely guaranteed four years one twenty, and the other side being what it what it kind of is, where it's like partially guaranteed. But you're it's good to have that flexibility. But even if those guarantees don't come through, um, the Suns are still kind of in a bit of a tricky spot. So I, I believe the contract is two years fully guaranteed, and then in the third year there's a player option and then the fourth year is partially guaranteed. So if Chris Paul's bad, um, so I think there's a team option in the third year. So if Chris Paul's bad, yes, you can wipe your hand, you know, wash your hands of that the last two years of the deal and say, okay, like we're, we're moving on, but then you still have a big hole to fill. And if his progression is like bit by bit over the course of this deal, like year by year, and it's not like he just falls off of a cliff, you're going to potentially be in a situation where you are actually paying him more than he's worth, whether that's paying him his full value, which you've accepted on the team option in year three at 30 million, or even paying him, you know, what's the guarantee that 39 year old Chris Paul is going to be worth 20 million in the fourth year of this deal. Like it's kind of low. So again, with Conley, we'll get to this with the heat, like you pay the sticker price for uh, a player of, of, of Chris Paul's pedigree, but it's not like 
completely risk-free just because we've got elements of it that are um, somewhat protected. I do think the campaign deal is just like, you know, fucking take a bow. Um, I've forgotten our general manager's name now. Jeez, he's completely... Uh, James Jones. James Jones, thanks. I'm picturing his head floating at me <laughs> and uh, I couldn't remember his name. That's embarrassing. Take a bow, James Jones, because people were talking about campaign potentially being a full mid-level guy mm. um, and looking at, you know, like a three-year 30 or, or four-year 40-ish million-dollar deal. Um, so I think the fact that we've been able to bring him back is a, is a huge boon. Um, and hopefully he can keep... Alfred Payton glued to the pine uh, in his second second tour of duty in Phoenix because the first time wasn't that good, uh, which I think maybe is a is that a theme with Alfred Payton going places? Is that most people are like yeah, <laughs> wasn't that good? Um, but he's he's now the third point guard, so like even if he's not that good, it's not going to affect you. And it's like Chris Paul rest twenty games, Alfred Payton's your backup, and hey, maybe even better someone else as you back up <laughs> yeah um nader nader is genuinely really good and, and nader will absolutely outplay the value of that contract um the thing for him is just being on healthy. the court yeah because he's missed he missed a lot of time during the season but they they really like him there and, and he is genuinely like really really useful player mm. um heaps of energy I, I think losing tory craig hurts maybe a bit more than um than he's been acknowledged because he he played a lot for us in the postseason and just just his positional flexibility being so big to just go through the three and the four spot um cam johnson's had a lot of success at the four so has jay crowder but neither of them are as big as tory craig where you can kind of get a real good facsimile of a genuine power forward size like they're, mm. they're both definitely small ball forwards um tory you know, craig's underappreciated wherever he is i reckon yeah, I I I I understand the you know the financials behind it, but it was only a two-year, ten million dollar deal that he signed with Indiana. So I, I would have really loved to see like him come back on on such a small deal, even if it means dipping into the tax a little bit. Uh, I don't reckon Denver should have let him go in the first place as well. Like they, they were they were thinking of offering him like they they declined to offer him like four million dollars a year initially. And it's like, okay, that's a lot of pressure on Aaron Gordon, who wasn't there yet, and PJ Dozier to be your wing stopper. Yeah, and I mean he and that that's that's that, that's the role that he he can play. You can just kind of throw him on somebody. Not that he's um, you know, like an all an all defense level player, but if he was on Utah, you just say, all right, like you're gonna go and defend. He just doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, he he doesn't, but he, he's 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 big, he's a good rebounder, he's smart positionally, he's athletic enough to get where he wants to go. It's open threes. Yeah, but open on the other side of the coin. Two years, ten million dollars in Indiana. Who obviously we're going to talk about uh, a little bit much. <laughs> um, well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe him being there is another reason why they they choose to let Karis Levert go. Um, if they choose to listen to my my fake trade from from last episode. True, true. They're they're just talking about you. All right, so you've given Phoenix a B. I've given them A plus. Uh, any further comments? Uh, no, I'm I'm ready to move on. I'm ready right. to shed. I'm ready to shed my caution and really just unleash myself <laughs> on these ratings. All right. So next team are the Philadelphia 76ers, who drafted Jaden Springer 28. They re-signed Joel Embiid at four for 196. Re-signed Danny Green at two for 20, and the Cork, the Furkan Corkmas at three for 15. They signed Georges Niang on a minimum away from Utah, and they got Andre Drummond. 
Uh, they haven't traded Ben Simmons yet and they haven't received anything in trade from Ben Simmons and they let Dwight Howard and George Hill walk. Um, you've given them an ungraded, which is completely fair enough. I've given them a C just based on what they have done already. This is fine. Like you get a new backup to replace Dwight Howard. He's got the similar amount of name value, if that means anything to you. George Hill hurt, but George Hill's like, 30 million years old. Um, Danny Green, just keep Danny Green on your team and you'll keep winning games. Joel Embiid, I'm not going to praise them for re-signing a dude and giving someone $200 million. Like if someone's worth $200 million, probably a reason for that. And he's not John Wall. Um, but yeah, you're just sort of waiting for Ben Simmons, aren't you? Like uh, it, that will completely change this grade, which is why I probably should have given it ungraded like you. Yeah, well, I just think depending on what they bring in, yeah, you're right. It will completely, it, it could catapult it or it could submarine it because, uh, yeah, these are moves around the periphery with the exception of, of Embiid, which was always going to happen. So I don't even think it bears, um, you know, it, it bears mentioning. But bringing yeah. Green back is is good. He was, his last deal was two years 30. So bringing him back on two years 20 is, you know, is good value, presuming that his play hasn't dropped off. Uh, and bringing back the cork on three is 15 is nice Danny Green insurance. Um, And isn't it interesting that George's Niang, very similar kind of play style to Ben Simmons in some ways, (laughs) in that he's a bigger guy, he can handle the ball a little bit, likes to wheel and deal. Laser from three. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe they've got a ready-made, maybe they've got a ready-made Simmons replacement uh, in in George's team. Just a thought. It's pretty passive-aggressive, though. It's just like, oh, well, we're signing your backup, but, like, if you don't play at the start of the year, he's very, very Ryanair to see plug-and-play. We'll just sit there on offense. Like, we'll see how we go. Yeah, space the floor for NBA, and NBA can drop 35. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think, I just think any any commentary, like, on, on anything other than, these peripheral moves is 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 maybe going to be moot before the season even starts because it's going to completely recontextualize uh, everything that we're talking about, dependent on on where Simmons goes and what they get back for him. Mm. All right. Well, on that note, we'll move on to the Brooklyn Nets. And do you want to give their moves? So through the draft, which oof, we love this, they added Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp with the 27th and 29th picks, respectively. They brought back Kevin Durant and Bruce Brown on his qualifying offer, re-signed Blake Griffin to the minimum, and then in free agency brought in Paddy Mills, DeAndre Bembry, Paul Millsap, James Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, and then they brought in Jalil Okafor, remember him? Sifu Dumbuya and Javon Carter in trades, losing Spencer Dinwiddie to Washington, Jeff Green to Denver, and Elisa Johnson to Chicago. And then DeAndre Jordan now on the Lakers. And as we talked about just before, Landry Shammett in Phoenix, uh, he was traded for Javon Carter. So I've gone A+. plus. This is my, mm. my first A+. Plus. Go on, explain it. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Um, I just feel like they got better in in really appreciable ways. Um, even with just just with the players that they've brought in, let alone like the the numbers involved. So Paddy Mills is just going to be so lethal here. 
Um, obviously, we've just seen him light it up in the Olympics as he does every time around. But Paddy Mills working off the ball around, around their three stars, not really needing to have much of the ball in his hands, although being able to kind of step in and play 30 minutes a game when you've got that game where, you know, Harden and Kyrie are out through injury, he can do that. He's, he's earning $6 million a year, which is a steal. Uh, Millsap and James Johnson, like just for a little bit of forward depth, behind KD and Blake, um, John Joe Benbury, make of it what you will. Lamarcus Aldridge, unretired. Like, what was all that for? They just healed him. Yeah, they, healed, they healed him, yeah. So I bet Chris Bosch wishes he knew Lamarcus Aldridge. <laughs> um, but not losing not losing Bruce Brown uh, and also not having to shell out to pay to pay him um, is, is really useful. Obviously, we've seen how he can kind of be used as a... Um, you know, almost as like a rim running big, despite the fact that he stands all of six foot four. And then they're they're draft guys. Um, Cam Thomas is 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 forward depth, someone who's got appreciable skills right now, being a, a pretty gifted scorer. We'll see what else, but you know, it, it helps with rookies if they've got one thing that they can come in and do at like a good level. So he should be able to get yeah, game th- time. This team, this team definitely needs more wing scoring. No, but but, it, but, know, yeah. but it's it's the same thing with it's the same thing with Mills though, where it's like there's gonna be games where like you know no, everyone's injured. Everyone's injured and KD is only playing 25 minutes and it's like, well, if you can get 22 from Cam Thomas and 18 from Paddy Mills, like you're you're, you're in business. Yep. Um and I think just one thing that I that I love, uh, and I mentioned it on a you know a podcast a couple of episodes ago, but it's bringing in Javon Carter for this team because like Shamit just gives them something that they can completely replace with their stars and with Paddy Mills. But Carter gives them something that they didn't really have, which is just that tenacious on-ball defense. And his weaknesses as a player is you know he's he's a point guard who can't handle the ball or play make. So take the ball out of his hands on offense, just let him hit spot up threes, which is what he is actually quite good at. And then on D, just put him in there and let him just harass someone. Like, you know, good luck. Good luck when Jamal Murray comes back and, and he's got to deal with, you know, 15 minutes of Javon Carter in the mm. third quarter. Mm. Um, it's it's I, such a perfect fit. Like, obviously, we, we just saw that Landry Shamit didn't work, but it's such a perfect fit for Javon Carter. And, like, I'm happy for him as someone who saw him throw the second pitch for the, for the like, the New Orleans baby cakes <laughs> a couple of years ago when he was a rookie with Triple J. Yeah, he's a he's a really uh, a really good fit. Um, I just think that yeah, they they brought back some real key role players, uh, brought in some real key role players, and then some some moves around the edges just to give them that that flexibility. Like if you're you're playing against a team that's going small against you, just throw the Marcus Aldridge in there and say, all right, big fella, get us get us twelve points from the mid range. Javon Carter, you can throw in there and say, just harass the opposing ball handler. Uh, yeah, I think that this uh, this is a really good offseason and buying injury. I think that these guys are the clear favorites to win a chip. Tell me why you've gone B plus. I can tell that you wanted to go A. I could see that you're just itching I, for it. I had B plus here. And like one of the points I've got here is that they were title contenders last year, possibly the favorite, and they're likely the favorite next year. And they possibly had the best offseason out of all the contenders, which is like, you know, you go from the best to even better. And like Patty Mills might be the best MLE dude signed. You've obviously re-signed Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. Eh. Um, yeah, healing Lamarcus Aldridge is just is just magical. Um, wow. Just the thing. So obviously, there's the there's the DeAndre Jordan 
salary dump, which is completely fine, like had to be done. And thank goodness for Kyrie and KD just getting, getting over the fact that this dude's not contributing to winning basketball and he doesn't need to be there anymore. So they got Jaleel Okafor, they got Seiko Dumboya. Um, I don't expect either of them to play a single game in a Brooklyn Nets jersey. Uh, Seiko's getting paid $5 million next year. And if he just gets moved, they're saving like at least $10 million in just taxes, just pure taxes. So that's like... That's that's fine. Like I'm, I'm not going to look at it as those two as playing. Um, the reason I've gone down from an A plus to an A, however, is that they pretty much gave Jeff Green's money to Paul Millsap, which I would much rather have Jeff Green just because you've already got someone like Blake Griffin, who yes, like Paul Millsap historically has been able to switch onto uh, on pick and rolls and be like that big. That's a little bit quick yeah, but that's that's historical historically. Yeah, exactly right. And now he's much slower, and then just like Blake Griffin, he's like he's someone who you want under the rim, but they're also not a traditional center. And it's like okay, you've sort of got two of the same player here, which is like less versatility for Steve Nash, just being able to throw different dudes out there. Same with Marcus Aldridge. Like okay, he's going to be scoring in the regular season not touching the court in the playoffs so it's like okay if you've got two Blake Griffins now with Paul Millsap I'd much rather Jeff Green and the fact that Bruce Brown is on his qualifying offer um when they could have just paid him now like maybe there's some tax concerns but like how much is Bruce Brown asking for and now that he's on his qualifying offer next season he's going to be fully unrestricted and like if he does exactly the same thing he did this past year there's there might just be some team that's like hey that's the exact sort of do we need like a, a dream on green light just to unlock our offense. And if you've got the cat space, why not just throw like $10 million at him, which is just like absurdity. Right. But what if, um, yeah, Brooklyn could have just paid him something that he wanted this year. It couldn't have been that much. And then you've got the certainty of having Bruce Brown. Whereas next year, what if Memphis is just like, Hey, you know, you'd be awesome next to Jaron Jackson Jr. Like think about that front court as well. Um, it's just like, just pay Bruce Brown, like. Yeah, but I kind of think though they they they're just happy that he's he's still around on the qualifying offer that they didn't have to you know match an offer for him because I don't think they want to pay him because his role is so unique. niche enough, yeah. um, but also sporadic enough in that it's he he's not someone who you're like yeah every every team we play against there's there's that twenty minutes for for Bruce Brown to do what he does it's like he might only play every couple, second series a couple of yeah exactly might be in in the postseason it might be a team that he really just unlocks everything you want to do and in the other one you know they might be playing a huge front line and he just doesn't have a role um especially as he transitions away from being a ball handling player to more of a slasher and an inside kind of guy mm. so i just think that they're, they're, they'd be stoked just to have him on a cost control contract for one more year and they'll say or just have him like he's definitely playing basketball for you next yeah, year yeah if if it comes to next season, next off season someone wants to throw seven seven over three you know like like you know three years 21 at him i think they'll just say bruce you've been a <laughs> tremendous servant to this basketball club good luck and see you later enjoy your ring take it with you yeah, I, I would um uh, I would happily bump this up to an A. Like you might have just talked me into it because the only thing I don't love is just having Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge. Do you think there's a chance that they'll keep Siku? Because I was just thinking about it, and I mean, like, there's potentially not been a worse development uh, <laughs> spot in the last couple of years than Detroit. And, yeah. and if you bring Siku, who in theory is that big switchable wing, um into a you know, I would situation love it, with a bunch of forwards it. who can teach him how to actually do it. You know, if you assume that the kid can play at all, uh, which is not necessarily a safe assumption. I don't well, know if you watched only, that one month, two years ago. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it was only two years ago that people were like, 
Say good and Jordan well. Jordan was right. <laughs> Yeah, that was and, pretty uh, sexy, though. Come yeah, on, yeah. Look, look, look where we are now. But I, I mean, uh, Joey, uh, Joey Ty has bottomless, bottomless pockets. Um, so I wouldn't put it outside the realm of possibility that they do decide to keep him. Although he he could just be, you know, that. Um, but like, uh, who who are you giving up to keep him? Like, you're going to cut Marcus Aldridge again? Well, what is Marcus Aldridge doing here? I don't know. I, had, I don't know. It must yeah. have been guaranteed. Like when he was still on the team, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to retire. Fucking write a Players Tribune article. But if I'm better, like, I'll be back. And like, I don't know that that's how contracts work, though. I don't think that you can just retire and then be like, I'm back, and you have to have me on the team. Yeah. What's, uh, I I want. What's he doing? I, I want the um. I want the story on how he actually is back because I feel like it just popped up in the Bleacher Report app like four thumb scrolls down. Like Lamarcus Aldridge is back, rejoins Brooklyn. It's yeah. like, well, what, what? What? This guy was like, oh, I, I'm I was done. told by the doctors like I might die if I play because I have this heart condition. It's like, what? Dude, he the, he fooled. Out- said all the shit. He had the scathing comments about being the second option in Portland. He's like, I wanted to be better than Dame, so then I went to San Antonio. Oh, I thought I was better than Kawhi. He's already fucking kicked, kicked and screamed on the way out the door. Yeah, not that anyone was listening because he's always second. <laughs> yeah, well, he is. Yeah, he's he is always second. Lamarcus Aldridge just finished last. Uh, weird. Weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I, I just think that they have taken the. Uh, more is more approach this offseason and just said, even though there's potentially a bunch of like players who are past it or maybe they're a bit one-dimensional, let's just bring them all in and let's give our brains trust coaching staff the option um, to use them when they feel the time is right, which obviously you've got to put your faith in Stevie and Mikey D to do that when they uh, when they believe it. So I'm, I'm glad I've talked you up to an A. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll change that in the sheet. Um, so you said the particulars for Brooklyn. So I'll talk about the LA Clippers who drafted Keon Johnson 21st. They re-signed Kawhi on four for 176. Reggie Jackson, two for 22. Nicholas Batum, two for the mini mid-level. They signed Justice Winslow, two for eight, and they traded a handful of players for Eric Bledsoe uh, and the only real free agent that's left uh, is DeMarcus Aldridge. Sorry, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I've gone and given them a B just like you, which is very sweet. Uh, and it's like, I think they did a great job at calling Kawhi's bluff. Cause if you remember Kawhi was going to like shop around to some teams and then he was going to come back to the Clippers and be like, Oh, well, you know what? How about I take a one plus one and we'll just do this whole thing a year from now when I haven't played a single game. Um, and after groveling to Kawhi for the past five to 10 years, um, <laughs> the Clippers are finally like, no, no, you, you fucking tore your ACL. You are, you are just signing this contract lock up your money. We want security. We're not going to be like stressed out. They really put their foot down. Um, and like, I I hate that Nicholas Batum came back here because like if Kawhi does miss the whole entire year, like yes, Paul George is good. And like they've, they've got a bunch of role players around one superstar now. Um, but like Batum, man, like you're not going to win a title there. I know they, they helped you win. And, and speaking of helping you get back into form, there's Reggie Jackson and, I don't really like the Reggie Jackson contract. Um, he shot the shit out of the ball this past season, obviously like rejuvenated his career as well. Um, but he is one of the worst scorers at the rim. Uh, according to Kenny, cleaning the glass, he shot 56% at the rim. Um, and it's it just doesn't 
bowed well that a lot of his shots were catch and shoot or just like one one dribble pull-ups from three playing next to Paul George and a guy like Kawhi who are just going to attract so much attention. So as soon as Kawhi's gone, it's like, okay, Reggie, maybe you have to create for yourself. And he created for himself plenty in that series against the Suns, but that's a pretty small sample size. So I'm, I'm just a little bit worried about the Reggie Jackson contract. Um, and I, I hope it goes poorly because the Clippers are the Clippers. Yeah, it's true. The Clippers are the Clippers. Uh, I, I fully concur. Um, I think I think with Jackson, though, you just kind of need to bring someone who can create their own shot back. Whether the shot is good or whether they make it, at some level is kind of irrelevant uh, because with with Kawhi gone, you just need someone who can handle the ball and, and you know, playmake and get their own shot so i think that bringing him back on you know it's it's two years 22 so this is a dude who was signed um when when detroit bought him out was almost out of the league to the point where he you know he's in tears talking about it after after the postseason that lets you know how close that he felt that he was to being out of the league so you'd think then giving 11 million dollars guaranteed for you know for each season for someone like that is maybe a little bit rich especially when you consider that Batum is getting paid three million dollars a year um but i just think bringing in someone who can do that from the point guard spot is important especially because the one thing that everyone's been talking about this this team the last two years is they need to add a point guard well what's what does that mean for eric bledsoe well i mean like uh, you know, when was Eric Bledsoe's last high leverage playoff moment where you were saying, yeah, Eric Bledsoe is creating his own shot and I'm comfortable with it? Well, not even the playoffs. I think you just have to worry about the regular season, just like papering over Kawhi's absence. Yeah, I mean, Eric Bledsoe, I think I think condensing Rondo and Beverly um, into Eric Bledsoe is, is, a, is a good move. I think it's pretty low risk because... Um, a, a motivated Eric Bledsoe can give you a lot of what Patrick Beverly gives you. Mm. And you're taking the punt and saying, you know, like Eric Bledsoe actually was good with the Bucks um two years ago in the yeah, last season. last year's an aberration. Yeah, he he um he did he he did churn out like a kind of a 16 and six with good defense, um, playing off a ball dominant wing, which is going to be something similar to what he's asked to do here. But I I, I think the um, small sample size or not, I'm more comfortable with Reggie Jackson uh, being a little bit more of a score first guard than I am with Eric Bledsoe at this point in his career because that's not necessarily what he excels at now. And, so and I think, we're still both on a B as well, though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that like like getting Kawhi, you know, just to re-sign on on a four year deal is is an absolute boon. I think drafting Keon Johnson, who was someone who in the weeks leading up to the draft, he was being talked about yeah, in like five, five or six, um, five or six range, and he's he's dropped. So that's opportunistic as all hell. He plays the wing. Kawhi's out. All right, bring him in. Let's see what he can do. Similar in a similar vein to um, to Cam Thomas in Brooklyn, being like, all right, this is a dude who's a scorer. Let's bring him in and see what he can do, knowing that our star wings are going to miss some time. Mm. But Toom coming back is is a you know is is a, a massive win as well. Obviously, we've seen how important he is, and, and Winslow is a swing. Um, but one one thing I like about this offseason, why I gave it a B, is that all of their swings and all of their retentions are all two year deals. So when Kawhi's back next year and they're competing for a title. You've got these swings, and if they miss, get rid of them. But if if they hit, you've got these dudes locked down for the next time you're ready to compete. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and and you know, they'll by the time Kawhi is back, they'll be expiring, so they're much more movable. Um, you can condense them into a trade if you need to, um, or or you just you know play with that, play the season out with that optionality um, to to resign them or not. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good, not great off season, and I think you know this team's ceiling was set the moment that Kawhi was announced uh, out for the season. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Nothing they could have done would have changed that. They did they did well within the confines of what they were working with, but at the same time, they didn't, you know, blow blow anyone away. Yeah. So just final point before we move on, Justice Winslow is guaranteed four million dollars this year and next year. So if they can just wash their hands of it either this year or next year, and it's only going to be eight million dollars in total um hidden them. Yeah, well, let's see if that bloke can actually like get on the court. Yeah. There's another one who's like, where where's he been? All right, so moving on to the next team, which is the Denver Nuggets. They drafted Bones Highland with the 26th pick. They re-signed Will Barton at 230. Austin Rivers on the minimum. Jermichael Green at 226. Uh, is that a typo? I think that might be a typo. I think it was two for 16. Uh, and they retained Marcus Howard on a two-way contract. Then they signed Jeff Green from Brooklyn at two for nine. Uh, lost Travel McGee and Paul Millsap, and they made no trades. I have given them a B. Um because similar to the Kawhi Leonard thing, it's like you're missing Jamal Murray. The whole thing with this offseason is to find someone who can help you contend in 2022-23. And I think that picking up Jeff Green is an excellent move just in terms of having another guy who can throw out there on the big wings. He's a little bit switchy on defense. Even though Mike Malone hates being switchy on defense, you've just got to go with versatility on a two-year deal and he's going to help you win when Jamal when Jamal's ready. Um, but as Tim Connolly just loves to do he loves to bank on internal improvement so instead of going out and getting like avery bradley like or someone like lou williams right instead of going out and getting that just to like just to absorb just a tiny fraction of those jamal murray touches they're like no nah, uh bones highland he's probably going to be like our third fourth string guard but will barton you can step up you're the starter michael porter jr as soon as jamal went down he averaged like 24 points as well so you got michael porter jr who's going to take up a lot of those jamal shots on the wing uh and pretty quiet off season which is which is fine and, and i like uh, I like the fact that I was a little bit worried that Will Barton and Jermichael Green declined their player options heading into this offseason. But again, the same thing with Kawhi. You've got these guys on two-year deals so that when you are ready to contend, you've got these guys here. And you've got a core that I, I think will honestly be like one of the top five title contenders when Jamal's back fully healthy 12 months from now. Yeah, I think it's a very, yeah, very salient point um, that you make that they're similar to the Clippers. <clears throat> in, um, in their... Treading waterisms. Yeah, they, they they just kind of have a bit more leeway this season where it doesn't really matter what they do. My initial reaction to the Will Barton deal was just like, are we sure that Will Barton is good? Uh, which I'm not in a vacuum. And you know, that that's a lot of money. But yeah, by the time it actually matters, it'll be a one-year 15. Um, and I, I I take it that you're quite high on on Jeff Green coming in. Um in, in place of Paul Millsap, presumably to play the exact same role. Yeah, yeah. And like, 
you've got some instances because Michael Malone plays like nine players in the playoff playoffs. You've got some instances where it's like, okay, you really need a change of pace. Jokic isn't doing it. So for the five minutes he sits, how's Jeff Green look at backup center? And if you want to go with a traditional big, well, you don't really have one because we've got a Zeke Naji and Bol Bol as the only guaranteed centers on that team behind Nikola Jokic. But you've just got, you've just got a different look. And like, I just love having different looks and just being able to do something a little bit different because that's what you need. Uh, and especially in the playoffs, uh, uh, which we're going to find out. Look, this team's probably going to make the playoffs again and they're going to be fine, but you're not going to expect anything of them this year while Jamal recovers from his ACL tear. Is your namesake, Nashawn Bones Highland, going to be rookie of the year? No, no. Um, he he might be, like his, his ceiling is like a Jamal Crawford type, but that's five years from now. Um, so you're right. saying that he's going to be rookie Emmanuel quickly? Yeah, he actually he he plays a lot like Emmanuel quickly, like um the the floater god, the floater king, but also really slender, slighter frame. So as soon as he runs into the paint, he's just getting bullied. I don't know why he's smiling. Like it's just a good com. Like no, <laughs> having I'm gags. Thinking, no, because I'm thinking what well, you said. Um, you said Lord of the Floater. What was what was Quickly's nickname? Had some had, uh, had some fun. Some no, nah, it wasn't a nickname, but he's like, yeah, I put it up there. Um, someone asked him what he does with his floaters, and he goes, "Yeah, I just throw them up there, and God does the rest." No, nah, there was, there was, there was a nickname, the Goat of the Float. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Well, no, nah, like the Goat of the is... Float. And then the other thing that I was thinking about is the time that you said uh, that Emmanuel quickly looks like one of the witches from Roll Down, <laughs> witches, which he definitely does. He really does, man. Like real bad. I mean, <laughs> if anything, Bones Highlands much more attractive than quickly. Um, I'm just sitting here with this big stupid grin on my face, and you think that Anne I'm Hathaway. Sure but I'm actually just thinking about. I'm actually just thinking about the witches. Just thinking about <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Fuck. Once a week for me. Um, this this is this is pretty treading water. I'm I'm happy to move on. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks, who added Georgios Kalaitzakis. There you go, Sean. That's how you do it. Uh, through the draft, uh, they signed George Hill to a two years, $8 million. And then they brought in Rodney Hood and everybody's favorite Boston Wing, Semi Ojale, on minimums. And then re signed. Bobby Portis uh, to two years nine. And then you've written here Giannis's brother. I'll just say which one. Uh, <laughs> and then they brought in brought in Grayson Allen from Memphis via trade. Uh, they lost PJ Tucker and Bryn Forbes and also Sam Merrill, who went out in the Grayson Allen trade. Uh, but Bobby Portis coming back on that nine million here is is, is pretty good. I've given them a C plus because I feel like um, these moves again are kind of like low wattage and peripheral at best, but people were talking about Portis opting out of his deal, which he ended up doing to go and sign a, you know, like a monster Bobby Portis deal, like a, you know, like a two year million dollar (laughs) deal. Um, And I think his, I think his contract was like, um, I think his 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 player option for this season was like three point eight million, and he's re-signed on a two years nine million. So he's taken an extra year of a seven hundred thousand dollar pay rise after <laughs> the performance that he put out against the Phoenix Suns in the uh, in the NBA Finals. And I think like no no joke, this is this is not a you know a sarcastic comment. I think that's one of the biggest surprises of free agency that he opted out and everyone's like Bobby Portis, man, he's a difference maker. Some team is going to be really grateful to have him. And then he's just like, yeah, I'll just come back for, 
not even three quarters of a million dollars more. Are you like? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm being serious because because um, not not in terms of I think Bobby Portis is this amazing difference maker. Like he's gonna swing anything for this team. Yeah, or I'm any just, other I'm, team for that matter. I'm just talking about the discourse that was being okay. had in the early the the early days of the off season post championship and like, you know, pre free agency, people were saying like a team is going to offer Bobby Portis 15, 20, $30 million because that's just what happens when a good, not great role player pops off in the fucking finals and helps his team win a ring. And then hits free agency. They tend to get paid a little bit. And the fact that he opted out, which is a clear signal of intent. Like I'm chasing the bag only to come back to the same place for decidedly less than a bag. I, I I don't think he's good. And I think this just tells you that the rest of the league doesn't think he's good either. Sean, like, I'll just direct you. Look at his fingers. <laughs> You're going to see a big, fat NBA championship ring. Yeah, but like he, he did it against a Phoenix Suns team that had no backup center. Like he mm. did Wait, not. What are we talking about? We spent five minutes talking about Franco Minsky. He didn't touch the court in the Brooklyn series because he was purely unplayable. Like Because you didn't want to see him get absolutely baptized by KD. Like he is a poor man's Montrose Harrell and I don't think there's any upside there whatsoever. Wow. That's... It's, it's yeah. like he, he yes, he'll get some like opportunistic buckets of offensive rebounds and he does a great job in the regular season at soaking up minutes. But in the playoffs, like he's not good enough to like score on mismatches and he's not good enough to hang on the wing. Can't even hang down low. I This is how much Bobby Portis is worth, man. I think that you're leaning into this Bobby Portis' terrible angle just because it's where you feel that you are. And you painted me as you painted. I'm not me even as, painting you anymore. You painted me as this Bobby Porter super fan, and you just feel that to bring the levity and the balance to the podcast, the levity and the balance that the Deep Two is known for, might I add. You feel that you have to just be this Bobby Porter's hater. Bobby Porter's is worth more than four and a half million dollars. That's that's my hot take. Bobby Porter's is worth six to six to eight million dollars, especially after. We, you know, he, he, yes, he wasn't going up against the toughest matchups in the NBA, going up against Frank Kaminsky and, you know, like Cam Johnson down low. But guess what, Sean? During the regular season, there's plenty of Frank Kaminsky and Cam Johnson's down low, and he's going to help them win games during the regular season when. Um, oh, is that know, their goal? Is their goal to win games in the regular season? Well, you can't, you can't give Utah props for saying that they've just reinforced the system and that I'm giving them a good grade because I know that they're just going to come out and win 60 games again and then do the opposite for Milwaukee. I think that is the definition of changing the rules just because Bobby Portis is involved. <laughs> so with, with Utah, they got Rudy Gay, who gives them different looks. Bobby Portis gives you a different get, look from Brook Lopez get, and it's they worse. They didn't get Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay was already there. You know, what? like... Let, what? That, there's, like Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay is the system. Where it's no, 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 no. You're thinking like of Rudy Gay. Yeah, they signed yeah. Rudy Gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. 
I yeah. guess I, I misheard. I guess I'm the wrong. debating team called and they, they just kicked you off, Dante. That's the surefire <laughs> way to lose an argument. So Jeez. I'll take I'll take the talking stick from you. Um, I really got angry at the Milwaukee Bucks after not paying PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker went to Miami, said, "Fuck man, I just wanted fifteen million dollars." I was like, "Me too, PJ." And he goes, "Yeah," and they wouldn't give it to me. I'm like, "They wouldn't give it to me either." And then I was like, "This is this is really bad." And like, um. Alessio put me put all of us onto the pod don't lie take where they they use some choice words to describe the Bucks ownership for not wanting to pay the luxury tax. But that was early on in free agency. At the end of free agency, after bringing in George Hill on two for eight, um, and after trading for Grace Nellen and after signing Bobby Portis, they actually pay what they would have paid in luxury tax if they had PJ Tucker. So the, would you rather PJ Tucker and one of George Hill, Bobby Portis, and Grace Nellen? or no PJ Tucker and the three dudes they brought in. Cause that's the equation. Cause they're paying the exact same luxury tax if they had done that. And they have said, we don't want PJ Tucker. We would prefer to make this trade for Grace Nellon, George Hill, Bobby Portis. Uh, and I think that's wrong because yes, they probably win more regular season games without PJ Tucker. And they, by having Bobby Portis and this added depth, but what you really care about is putting another ring on Giannis's finger and George Hill, as I said, with the Philly side, you don't miss him too much. He's getting old. He's been less effective. Grayson Allen, I like, and that's what scraped this off an F to a D for me because I'm like, you get another white wing. Um, but I, I think I would much rather have PJ Tucker and one of those three as opposed to no PJ Tucker and those three. Wow. I, I just could, I couldn't disagree more. The gap between Bobby Portis and PJ Tucker is, is like negligible. And I don't love, you know, I don't love George Hill. Like I think George Hill is like old and like potentially like is he a skeleton at this point? Let's just, let's just say he's the third person regardless. Like, would you rather George Hill, Bobby Portis or PJ Tucker? Sorry, Grayson Allen. Well, I mean, I I just like, I, I just don't think that PJ Tucker actually brings that much value I, I think Peter Tucker is one of the more glaring examples of like NBA fake news uh, where the most glaring obviously being Patrick Beverly yeah <laughs> potentially what what's PJ Tucker good at and 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 here's what he's supposed to be good at he's supposed to be a good spot up shooter he's he's not because he averaged four points a game uh and he doesn't want to shoot and you have correctly identified that when he does shoot it's like a fucking his jump shot's really aged it's like a fucking (laughs) trebuchet at the battle of crazy in in the hundred years war just you know taking up like 45 minutes to reload you happy with Um, yourself with that one (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> all the days work for me. Uh, <laughs> he he's not actually a good defender because he he he's four hard fouls a game because he's got rock hard pectorals and he 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 probably fouls seven times a game. Keep in yeah, mind, they, he, get, they, he gets a bit of leeway. Yeah, they, they go. He he just he he's not someone who's super good at defending in space. I, I know that it's not a fair example to say. Well, he couldn't stop Kevin Durant, so he's a bad defender. But like. He's not this player who you're, you're in the postseason saying, like, throw him on KD and you feel okay about it. You don't. KD was the best player on the floor in that in that series, the whole series long. He had one of the best postseason games anyone's ever seen playing exclusively on PJ Tucker. Um, and it's a, you know, like, not to make it like a, a Bucks kind of like Budenholzer conversation, but but if, if um, KD's toe hadn't been on the line for that game-winning three, 
we'd be talking about what a fuckwit Budenholzer is for putting PJ Tucker on and thinking that that was the problem solved. But, but Kevin actually... Durant kicked the shit out of Chris Middleton. No, no, kicked... I'm not. Well, I mean, like, like I'm just saying, like, if you put Chris Middleton on it and Kevin Durant kicks the shit out of you, it's like, okay, I guess, I guess. He kicked more shit is, out of him. PJ Tucker is not the kind of player that I think a lot of people still think he is, where you're like, yeah, we'll throw him out there and he's good. Like he he's not a spot-up shooter. He's not a role man. He he doesn't really get offensive rebounds at this stage in his career. So what's he out there for? He's out there for D, but you throw him up against someone who's like anyone not trying to back him down. And you can just go around him and he's just gonna foul you, which I guess there's some value, but for, you know, we'll talk about we'll talk about Miami. I love a lot of what Miami did, but bringing him in and paying him seven and a half million dollars a year um, for for the next two years is not something that I think is particularly good business. Um, and I think that the difference between Bobby Portis and PJ Tucker is like negligible. Bringing Porter back, um, Portis back, and then being able to add like a few like like safety valve pieces, like do you know take the Nets approach and be like, we'll get some you know, like specialist niche guys in here. And, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's a moment where it's the perfect matchup for Grayson Allen and he hits five threes. I think that gives you more upside in the, the regular season and in the postseason than just paying PJ Tucker $15 million. Yeah, I, I just think PJ Tucker is still a better defender than Bobby Portis. And if you want to win the title, you have to go through KD and all LeBron. And I'll just be like, now... KD just kicked the shit out of Chris Middleton and and BJ Ducker. So, but he kicked being- more shit out of Chris Middleton. It's like, and it's not like okay, we'll go out and get Trevor Reza because he signed elsewhere. The equation is PJ Tucker and one of these dudes, or these three dudes. And if your goal is to beat Kevin Durant, get the dude who is slightly better on Kevin Durant. We'll we'll agree to disagree. I think we Let's should agree to we- disagree. I think we should we should put um the the PJ Tucker Bobby Portis to an Instagram poll and see <laughs> see what the people but, think. But I, see, Bobby Portis has got the people because he's got that meme where he's got big eyes. Well, you mean that's, an, that's an unfair discussion. Is that meme just him existing? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, you and I talking. You gave him C plus, and I gave him a D. Um. I hope Rodney Hood plays well basketball again. Move on to the LA Lakers. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the Lakers. So the Lakers drafted nobody. Um, they re-signed Taylor Horton, his Tucker at three for 31. Then they signed everyone is a minimum apart from Kendrick Nunn. They signed Mello Anthony, Dwight Howard, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington, Rajon Rondo, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, uh, Mac McClung, non-guaranteed, Sean D. Brown, who? Um, and they traded for Russell Westbrook, obviously giving up the players that they did. They let Andre Drummond walk, Dennis Schroeder walk, Alex Caruso walk, Mark Morris, and Ben McLemore. Mark Morris, fucking and, hell. <laughs> and like, I am shocked you gave them a B here. I gave them a D plus. Uh, and the plus and the D comes from just the fact that LeBron's able to snap his fingers and just minimum dudes come play with him. Like, I think that's incredible. Um, yeah. And they did get heaps and heaps of value off the minimum. Like not even just like Dwight Howard and Trevor Reza, like Malik Monk and like getting, I mean, nuns, whatever. Malik Monk on the, on the minimum. Like, I think that's incredible. And like, uh, I wish him all the open threes in the world. Um, but I think just like I was saying with the Bucks, I think bringing in Russell Westbrook makes you worse in the playoffs. Uh, it makes you better in the regular season, but the goal here is to win in the playoffs. And as soon as you've got a pick and roll with either LeBron or um, Russ and Anthony Davis, 
one of the two dudes, Ben LeBron and Russ, are going to be standing elsewhere waiting for the ball to come to him. And the defense doesn't really have to, has to respect him. And look, you give the ball to LeBron James because he's the best player in the world. So what's Russ doing? He's going to cut or he's just going to not play defense or he's going to sit there. And um, I'm just also not a Russ fan. So this is probably really bad, but um, I, I don't like this. I don't think it brings him closer to a title. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I just want to stress that my giving them a B isn't necessarily because of basketball reasons. Um, right. Because a few episodes <laughs> ago, you know, that like like four or five episodes ago, you know, I when, when this trade was, was fresh, I, I came on here and I railed against it because I think that, you know, it's silly and it shouldn't have been done. But I'm giving them a B because, you know what, YOLO, may as well. Put it, all, put it all into a snow globe, shake it all up. See what happens. You might win a ring. You might not. But I, I, I found myself over time, you know, drifting further towards the side of the team that they had was going to be, like I think, necessarily like capped a little bit. And if you squint here, you can say, well, there's a ten percent chance that they have just increased their, um, you know, their their chance of actually winning a chip quite drastically and i think at this point you know rather than than running out a team that that i think was you know pretty clear would would have taken a step back at least a step back from when they did win the ring um you just say all right let's try something drastically different if the upside is that we win the ring you know we play we play brooklyn in the finals and have a genuine chance to actually beat them then do it may as well if it fucks up and it, it, it doesn't come off. You can reload again in a year with different minimum guys. LeBron will still be there. AD will still be there. Russell Westbrook will still be there. Uh, but you can, you you know, you're not going to lose that appeal for coming to play with LeBron, LeBron barring it all, you know, exploding spectacularly, which, you know, LeBron is there. So it's not going to explode spectacularly. The The downside here is just that they they finish seventh again, not that that it just doesn't work. And, you know, like Westbrook is exiled to Siberia. Um, and I think the fact that they are all minimums, aside from Kendrick now means you just load up again on on minimum guys who, who want to come and play with LeBron next year if it doesn't work. I think the best dudes to have around uh, LeBron, AD, pick and roll, uh, guys like Alex Caruso and Contavious Caldwell. If you fucking say when, yeah, I was going to say, don't say Wayne Ellington. <laughs> no, like they're going to miss Caruso and KCP just for high usage dudes there. What about Kuzma? I, like Kuzma. What about definitely. Kuzma looking so smooth and fluid? This he definitely did. No, <laughs> not even that. He um he he did set like like committed to his role last season, the season prior, and like that's nice. I really hope he looks up to Bradley Beal the same way he looks up to LeBron. But uh, why would you? <laughs> well, I mean, he's taller than Bradley Beal, so logistically, uh, yeah, probably couldn't. I mean, I'm I'm so happy that Washington was able to make this move. But just imagine if they didn't trade for Jenna Schroeder and they're still a Danny Green, still a KCP, still a Caruso. That is exactly what you want around a superstar pick and roll. Yeah, it is. But I mean, there's no way that like, there's just no way they could bring back Caruso. You know, um, mm. and and I think is is there an argument to be made that you'd rather have uh, Monk, Ellington, Rondo, and Baysmore? Um, and none. Then uh, I don't want. I don't Mac want Baysmore and any. No, no, but you know what I mean. Like, like, like you condense Macklemore's thirteen million dollars salary into five other dudes. Macl- Wait, Macklemore. 
Um, the second time, the second time I've done it, KCP, fuck me. <laughs> when was the first time you did that? I did. I couldn't remember James Jones' name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seven minutes, oh, yeah, yeah. Seven was... minutes into the podcast, I was like, what's his name again? My guy? <laughs> um, no, I think you, you condense KCP's $13 million cap it into a bunch of guys who can do similar things, some different things, and you just kind of say, like, all right, if Malik Monk at, you know, at best gives us 70% of what he scored KCP against North does. Carolina. Yeah, well, seven. What's seventy percent of forty-seven? It's probably fucking heaps. Uh, if if he's if he's good, if none is good, which we know none none is good. Uh, if Rondo you know can give you anything, if Baysmore can give you anything, you know what Ellington's going to give you. I think there's reasonable expectation there that the cumulative impact of those players. Um, not to mention the positional flexibility that it gives you would be more than what you would have had had you just kept KCP. And it's just not feasible for this team to pay Caruso $9 million a year. Um, mm. You know, they're happy to go into the into the tax, uh, but I All think right. they'd, they'd say for the right reasons. And, and you know, you're bringing, back, um, you're bringing back Horton Tucker and you just don't have that extra money to spend on, on Caruso. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, let's power through and go to the Dallas Mavericks, who drafted no one. They re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr. on four for seventy-five, Luka Doncic on five for two hundred and seven, and Boban Marjanovic on two for seven. They signed Sterling Brown at two for six and Reggie Bullock for three for thirty, and they ended up with Moses Brown in a trade. Um, I think this was pretty neutral, and this is sort of the the downside of not getting Giannis Antetokounmpo when he was supposed to be a free agent and he cleared the cap space for him. So I've just given them a C. Um, they got stuck in the bird rights trap, the Tim Hardaway Jr., where it's just like, you can go over your cap to sign him, but if you don't like Tim Hardaway Jr., you can't go over the cap to sign any other shooting guard on the market. And it's like, fine, that's like, you know, THJ is awesome next to Luca, and he's just a shooter who hits threes. That's fine. You got another shooter who hits threes in Reggie Bullock. Um, just all nice. Keep Luca. You got no player option on the fifth year for that Luca deal, which is nice, very nice, especially with the instability in that front office. And it's just like Luca pick and roll with Pazingas, who isn't very good at basketball anymore, um, and shooters. It's like that's you're just doing it again, but Luca gets better. Maybe you can do something with. Uh, with the zinger mid-season, what do you reckon? Yeah, I've, I, I feel feel pretty similar. I've gone C plus. I think there's, you know, I'm a big Hardaway Junior fan, like comparatively, I think to a lot of people. But I think there is reason to suspect that he's possibly not going to be able to replicate the highs of the last two seasons. Like, like I don't necessarily think that he's like a stable asset. And you're like, this is who he is. He's going to hit four threes a game, and he's going to average 19 points a game. Um, and so they've given him a contract that's pretty much just the exact contract that the Knicks gave him all of these years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously the cat's gone up, you know, a lot and, and the contract's a little bit less, but it's still, a, you know, a big number when you look at it, like 75 million over four years, like, fuck me, that's a lot for Tim Hardaway Jr. I do like them bringing in Bullock, um, possibly a little bit rich, but I think there's merit in, again, in the idea of following through on what they did last year and just saying, let's surround Luca with big shooters. Obviously didn't work out with Josh Richardson, who they've exiled to Boston, but I think Bullock is, is you know, a demonstrated good um, 
Uh, yeah, high, higher floor than Josh Richardson. Less risk. Yeah, and I mean, they're not going to ask him to do as much as they asked Richardson to do, so there's going to be less room to fail anyway. You know, just rock up, play good D, hit 30% of your threes, and, and we'll call that a win. And Sterling Brown's a nice buy low, but ultimately this is like more of the same, and I think that, you know, is uninspiring um, if you can't bank on a drastic improvement from um, Porzingis, which obviously um, if you are banking on that, then you might be Mark Cuban. So, <laughs> And if you're Mark Cuban, you got other things to look at. Um, as a money thing, I didn't mean to sound weird. So the Portland Trailblazers are our next team who drafted uh, Greg Brown. And I've written Don't Care Plus Your Smelly. They re-signed Norman Pell at five for 90, similar with the Bird Rights Trap to Tim Hardaway Jr. Then they signed a bunch of minimums with Ben McLemore, Cody Zeller, Tony Sell, Marquis Chris, and Dan Smith Jr. How about that for a list of players? Uh, and then the final thing they did, which was quite late in the offseason, which is trade for Larry Nance Jr., which is like, the fucking one of the best moves of the whole entire offseason. So what this has done for me is everything was a C. The Chauncey Billups deal probably brought them the, the Chauncey Billups coming in as coach probably brought them. We actually we didn't talk about Jason Kidd uh in the Dallas section, but you know that happened. Uh so the Chauncey Billups thing brings them down below a C, but I'm that high on Larry Nance that he's buffed them up a full letter grade from D plus to C plus. Uh, he's the role player to end all role players, <laughs> the one to make things right in Portland. Uh, and Damien Lillard today said that he's committed to Portland. So there you go. He's He he must feel the same way about Larry Nance Jr. Yeah, Damien Lillard is committed to Portland until he's not. So we'll we'll see what happens. Am I obligated to call Ben McLemore Contavious Caldwell Pope just to like balance it out here? Or well, are we just you going... You're obligated to call Marquise Chris Dragon Bender. Yeah. No, I've got room for both Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. I don't want to condense them. Um, I'm not that high on 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 Larry Larry Nance. Uh, I think I think he's good, but you know, I'm not going to be going about any business of bumping him up a full letter grade here. Um, I think. Bringing back Norman Powell, that's a lot of money. Uh, that's a lot know, of money. A lot, lot of money for a redundant skill set because it, he, you know... It's just, a small guard. It's just Do you 3J. They've got three of the same guy. It's like, have yeah. two of the same guy. And then it's like, we're stacking strengths. Have three of the same guy. And it's like, well, I'd rather just have my 20 million back. Thanks. Um, Macklemore, Snell, Chris, and Smith Jr. is just like... The like a morass of <laughs> uninspiring basketball talent. Yeah, and in Dennis Smith Jr.'s case, it's just sad, bro. Just go to China. Literally, just <laughs> rip it up with Guangdong Tigers and feel good about yourself. Uh, I do like Cody Zeller coming in as like a pretty cheap Zach Collins replacement. Pretty similar players can do a lot of the same things. Um, and you know, not to get like too nitty gritty, but like I think there's some some decent interplay potential between Cody Zeller and Nurkic when they're on the floor, like that. When know, they're on the floor, key element there. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see with Nurkic. Like it, it might be the year that he he kind of like turns it all around. Um, and and then then he'll be able to have that that sweet 14 minutes a game with Zeller. Um, but yeah, I've gone C because I just think that they didn't really bring anybody in who's a floor raiser. They locked in Powell, who's not a floor raiser, on a a big, a big juicy deal, um, and not even the draft edition of Greg Brown uh, could could swing it. <laughs> so um, yeah, I I haven't been mentioning players drafted in the second round until uh, the Milwaukee Bucks drafted. 
old mate, uh, Georgios yeah. Kalazanakis. Um, <laughs> not quite, but I didn't. Uh, I just mentioned that because he was guaranteed. I believe Greg Brett. No one cares. No one's listening to that. Um, if Nurkic and Cody Zeller are injured, pretty common occurrences. Larry Nance is starting at the centre. Well, and- Larry Nance. Larry Nance. How much of the last two seasons has Larry Nance spent injured? Um, the answer is sorry about it. Sorry a bit. About it. It's, been, uh, it's been a little bit. So if he's your if he's your um, your safety net, if your safety net is just as much of an injury risk as your um, as your other guys, then what's going on? Uh, Larry Nance never played a full season. The most games he's ever played in the season is sixty seven. He played thirty five last year and fifty six. Oh, he's before. good when he does it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like you know, I know Larry Nance led the league in deflections per minute, Sean. I know that. But um, how much is it going to matter on this team? I don't know. Um, and that's All right. I've I'll, I'll, I'll clip that and I'll save it for later. Do you want to talk us, talk us through the New York Knicks moves? So through the draft, they've added Quinton Grimes and Miles McBride. They brought back Julius Randle on a pretty reasonable 4 for 117 deal. They also brought back D-Rose, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. And then in free agency, they signed Evan Fournier, don't Google his name, uh, and Kemba Walker, who came back on a two-year $18 million deal. They said goodbye to Frankie Smokes, Reggie Bullock, and yeah, the the carcass, the carcass of <laughs> uh, of Alfred Payton being nibbled at by scavenging rodents. Um, they dragged him out of uh, out of Times Square. It's it's um, wild. He goes from starting point guard under Tibbs um, to third string point guard on a good team. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, should Tibbs be fired for? taking a third string quality point guard and making him the um, the starter over, not even on a team where there's bad point guard play, on a, on a team where he was a third string quality point guard. <laughs> I guess it's I guess that's a real existential NBA question. Uh, you've given them a C plus. I've given them a B. Um, I'll, I'll cede the floor to you first, given your, your intimate history um, with this team after riding for the Knicks wall. So they they won both of their draft trades. So that they, they entered the draft with like 20, 29 and 21 or something like that. And they ended up taking Quinton Grimes and Miles McBride 25th and 36th. And they, they won both their draft trades by being able to move back, still pick a guy who looks good, at least look good in summer league, uh, and also picked up assets on the way, which is just great. It's like awesome. The Knicks are competent. This is incredible. Julius Randall locking him in. He got the whole PR of, hey, he took less. He could have taken this. And it's like, he could have taken that if you makes all NBA next year. <laughs> probably, probably pretty smart, Julius. Um, I, I really don't like the Derrick Rose deal. I, I'm just really concerned about the injury risk. That's shock and awe. You heard it here first. Someone is worried about Derrick Rose's injury history. Um, Alec Burks, I'd rather give that exact same amount of money to Reggie Bullock, but I'm really not going to debate the <laughs> I'm not going to debate the Burks or, or Bullock here. Um, Nolan's Noel finally getting properly paid. Hopefully he doesn't sue his agent again. Taj Gibson, two for $10 million to be, you know, the Udonis Haslam type. That's fine. I mean, like it's Tom 
Thibodeau. What do you expect? Um, Evan Fournier is an extremely tradable contract, which is exactly what it's going to be used for. I don't think he finishes. Uh, I would I would wager quite a lot of money that he doesn't finish that that, that deal with the New York Knicks. And Kemba Walker just magically signs uh, and leaves exactly the right amount of money on the table for OKC, just enough. So he could just perfectly fit under the cap for the New York Knicks. I think there's just coincidence in the making. Don't, uh, say, don't say the T word. Uh, to incidents. <laughs> Tampering. Tampering. Um, yeah, it's just like, I don't, I don't like, uh, it's, it's a Tibbs team and like their best, their best wing scorers, uh, RJ Barrett, the ghost of Kemba Walker and like who's enjoyed watching Evan Fournier outside of a France jersey in like the last decade. Did you know he used to play for Denver? Like that's a fun fact. Don't Google his name. I'm just uninspired by this free agency period. And I gave him a C plus because they did a good job, but I would love to tune into this team when they trade for Zach Levine or Bradley Beal halfway through the year. Yeah, Zach Levine here would be fun. Uh, I think the reason for me why I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic about these deals than you is that uh, in in almost all of the multi-year deals, uh, the third, um, in some cases, the third and in all cases, the fourth year is like completely unguaranteed or has team option. So they're actually for much less than the sticker price um, and for a shorter time period as well, which means that they can be used, like you say, Evan Fournier's deal is literally just there as, as trade fodder. He's just going to be put in to make up, you know, 60% of the salary of the star that they need to bring in. But those other guys, they can kind of say, all right, take your pick of the Rose contract, the Noel contract and the Burks contract just to like bump up the number to whatever else. And I think the benefit of bringing back Burks maybe over Bullock is that Burks isn't quite the defender or the shooter, the three and D player that Bullock is, but he's got a little bit more sizzle. Um, Didn't I say I don't want to debate it? Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not <laughs> I deba- I'm, I'm not debating it. I'm here to make an ironclad point that, that belies any any feedback. Uh, he's got a little bit more sizzle off the bounce. He's a little, do a little bit more of, uh, as, as a scorer, which, um, you know, the Knicks outside of Julius Randle were fucking terrible. So I think maintaining one good like, offensive role player who can actually dribble the ball, whose name's not Derek Rhodes, is probably a good... Uh, a good thing and then Kemba Walker like if he's good he's good you know listeners will know that we've been you know very reticent uh to to put too much faith in in Kemba Walker saying on the court um so but for this price I mean you, you may as well like you, you, you got to do it and hope that he can get some of that Yukon magic back um so I think, yeah, I think, a B, I think a B is fair because they haven't actually, despite the high dollar value on a lot of these deals, they haven't actually locked them in for, locked themselves in for like big money and big years. It's, it's just medium money and medium years that are ultimately going to serve the purpose of trading for, like you said, a Bradley Bill or a Zach Levine. Yeah, and they it, didn't It really- looks worse than it is. Yeah, the, number, the numbers make it look worse than it is. And, and, and I think Fournier... You know, like no one's had fun watching him, but he's he's going to be a, a valuable addition to this offense. That at least again, there is someone that's not Randall that you're like worried about. Like maybe this guy will score 18 points in a game, uh, which is not necessarily something that they had outside of the first 10 games of Emmanuel quickly last season. They didn't really lose anybody of value. Like sorry, Elf Payton and Frankie Smokes. Um, so Take I think that. the lads, think, yeah, the lads. <laughs> 
<laughs> gang. I think at you know at, at, at very at the very worst they improve themselves slightly, which for a team that is essentially just treading water and waiting for a big star consolidation trade to come along, improving yourself slightly whilst not taking on too much long-term money, I think is is um, tapping into uh, a bit of the Hannah Montana lifestyle and getting the best of both worlds. Uh, yeah, and you can read more. I was going to tease this at the end, but you can read more about this uh, massive trade market we're about to see on the deep2.com. I can't believe it's that easy, the deep2.com. <laughs> uh, and I wrote an article about the NBA's huge game of dominoes that the league seems to have set up, signing all these contracts, but not expecting to keep these players. If you look for points bets stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between eight and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic, and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition. Dante, do you want to give us the particulars for the Atlanta Hawks? So we've got the Atlanta Hawks up next. So they added Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, who was a surprise faller during the draft. Uh, they re-signed John Collins to a 5-125 and brought Clint Capella back on a two-year 46. They extended Trey Young at the max and then brought back Lou Williams and Solomon Hill. They brought in DeLon Wright via trade and they said goodbye to Tony Snell, Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando. Vale, gentlemen, ye old team shall never be the same. Uh, I've given them... Unrecognisable Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, the Atlanta Hawks post-Chris Dunn, like a city city tries to heal itself. Um, I've given them a B, Uh, so have you. Um, I think this is uh, another example of just like holding pattern, just saying like we're going to bank on some internal development from our young guys. We're going to keep all the pieces in place uh, in, in Jalen Johnson, who people seem to be quite high on. They've, they've got a potential contributor right away and a potential John Collins replacement down the line. And then um, who better for Sharif Cooper to learn how to shoot from than Sweet Lou uh, in, you know, in Atlanta, where he can be his fully unbridled lemon pepper Lou alter ego. Yeah, so I I wanted to give the Atlanta Hawks an A for this just because they have just, like like a lot of these teams, this is a theme we're seeing this offseason, just trading water, just being ready for that trade should it become available. And like, yes, 
That's a lot of money for John Collins, five for 125. Uh, but again, tradable Clint Capella, which is an extension on top of his two years, which will actually make it a little bit icky, uh, a little bit icky with a Kongwu because it'll be one year of paying Clint Capella $23 million when a Kongwu is also properly paid and should be a starting caliber player there because he, he does look that good. I'm not going to give them any benefits for signing Trey Young there. That's, yeah. It's Trey Young, whatever. Um, if he makes All NBA, he'll be uh, two hundred seven million. If he doesn't make All NBA, he'll be one seventy two. Um, and it's like they they've they've kept their flexibility. So as soon as a superstar might become available halfway through the year, you've got John Collins attach some of those young players you want to. You've got Jalen Johnson. You've got you've just got all these young prospects that they can just throw out here while keeping the core of their team intact. Uh, and I just really like what they've done. The reason I've docked them down to a B is just like that's a lot of money to John Collins and Clint Capella, and it could come back to bite them in a few years if, if they, like I said, there isn't a superstar trade available. I just feel like I'd rather pay Collins $25 million a year than Lonzo Ball $22 million a year. Yeah, and we'll get into that. I, I've got a point when we talk about the Bulls next week where it's just like, okay, well, we've, we've talked about it for a year now. Who's right? Like, is Sean going to be right at $20 million for Lonzo? Is Dante going to be right? Like, hey, his shooting was a flash in the pan. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, that that's going to be the number one subplot that we're watching <laughs> this season. Forget the Suns, forget the Warriors. It's Alonzo Ball and his, uh, his shooting percentage. <laughs> <laughs> we should post weekly updates. Um, <laughs> again, like Atlanta Hawks tread water. Do you want to move on to a team that definitely didn't tread water? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sorry, my... did I butt in on you? Did you did you have anything to say about the Hawks? No, no, I, I've, I've, I've said my piece. Um, yeah, let's let's move on to the Heat. All right, so the Miami Heat, I'll run through. I gave them an A. They re-signed Jimmy Butler to a lot of money, four for 184. Re-signed Duncan Robertson, five for 90, and then the rest of minimums, which is Victor Oladipo, UD40, Dwayne Dedman, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Omer Yotabilo, and they signed Kyle Lowry to three for 85. Mark Morris on the minimum, PJ Tucker, aforementioned, two for 14.3. Uh, I'm not going to mention like the trades they made in the sign and trade, but they they pretty much lost Goran Dragic, Precious Chua, uh, well actually, on, and Andre Iguodala, Trevor Reza, Kendrick Nunn, and Amanya Bailita, but obviously roster spots were a concern there. So Dante, why have you given them a B plus? The only things that give me pause here uh, is is Lowry for the same reasons that I've talked about earlier with Paul and Conley. Like I, I understand you just kind of have to pay the the money and give the give the guy the years otherwise you're not going to get him but like you know Lowry's 36 and is he vegan yet did we already ask that (laughs) if he's not he will be by age 37 uh but I think no I think you know he plays for (laughs) OKSE you know like there's yeah yeah well that's (laughs) hold on SGA we're getting you help um I yeah, it just gives me just gives me pause thinking about the the back end of that deal. Obviously, it's a deal made for this season and next season. Like if if he's not not performing up to his twenty seven million, you know, thirty million dollar salary in the third year, I think you probably just cop it. But it, it does just give me pause. And obviously, we've already talked about um, you know the the battle of the backup fours in PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis. But I don't like PJ Tucker here. Um, at at seven and a half million, I think that it's just quite honestly a waste of money. Um, but you know, bringing back Robinson, I think it is a lot of money. But he is what this is he's the second best shooter in the league. Like that's just kind of what the second best shooter in the league should be making. 
Mm-hmm. You hope that Oladipo um, can get something going, and if you can, you've got you know you've got a bargain yeah, because of the minimum. And then between you know Deadman, Vincent, Struess, you know that's just some soak up some regular season minutes there. Obviously, Jimmy Butler coming back. Um, I think this is a good blend of keeping it together and also adding some elements, you know, in hopefully a healthy Oladipo because he didn't really play for them last season and allow you that just kind of like. You know, it's kind of like when you're making addition, it's pretty good already, but we add like a bay leaf in there early on, a bit of pepper, and then it comes out at the end. And you're like, wow, the bay leaf really kind of does make a difference here. Like maybe he's Kyle Lowry, the bay leaf, and Victor Oladipo. Maybe Parmesan rind. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's just something that you, you, you'd you often overlook or it's too difficult. Like you, you don't want to buy heaps of it because you're only going to use a little bit in the recipe so you don't put it in. We've all been there, but... When you do put it in, you're like, wow, you can really taste, you know, you know, perfect example. I was making myself a smoothie bowl this afternoon and I've noticed we've got some passion fruits. So I put the passion fruit in, you know, in with the, the mango and the banana and it just completely, you know, completely changed the, the, the flavor scheme of the whole, uh, the whole smoothie bowl. And I was sitting there saying to myself, this is great. Like I was talking out loud to myself. So maybe Kyle Larry's got a little bit of passion fruit potential here. Yeah, or another good example would be basil. It's like, yeah, okay, I can buy a basil plant. How many times am I going to cook pasta this week? Probably just once, and then it's going to be dead by the time it's next week. So let's just get the dried stuff, but it really makes a difference just getting that fresh stuff. Um, I've given them an A while you've given them a B plus here. Just because like, yes, I've got the same concerns as you with Kyle Area, and I've, I share the same concerns with you with PJ Tucker. I'm, I'm talking, when I'm defending PJ Tucker, I'm thinking of it more from a, what the fuck are Milwaukee going to do? They have no reasonable way to replace him. Like obviously this, this, <laughs> obviously this Miami team is like Jimmy Butler and like they've got plenty of great defenders that can obviously cover for him uh, and can do very much the same thing. But yeah, it's a lot of money to commit, but I've given them an A because look, if you look at the C, if their vanilla was just to bring the band back, they're still straddling a line because they've got so many assets and so many future draft picks just invested in A, getting off of Jimmy Butler, but just bringing in Goran Dragic. They've got all these assets thrown across everywhere. So for a team that can't tank, like if they, they can't tank because they don't own their future, for a team to have to commit in one direction and be able to get the best free agent on the market to keep Duncan Robinson, to get PJ Tucker, who is at least a player. Um, I, I, I think they've done an excellent job. Uh, whether that's the right avenue to go, it's up to other people to say that, but they, they literally have no, they've got no other options. So it's, um, yeah, it, there's, there's no blowing it up and they've done a great job of just fully continuing on committing Probably never going to pick him to win a title, though, would you? Well, I mean, not whilst they're playing the same conference as Brooklyn, but uh, I think that they definitely added some some really good players, and I think that you can't really you can't overlook the value of having Vic Oladipo back on a minimum. Just the ability to have him there and effectively like no financial risk, because there's a pretty compelling argument that just by virtue of the passage of time that he's not going to be as bad as he has been in previous years. Maybe he's in a smaller role and he can actually bump that shooting percentage um, up north of 38, uh, which would be, you know, a huge boon. Like if, if at the worst he's a quality role player coming off the bench and at best he's, you know, a, a starting level good scoring defensive guard like two-way guard then i think you're, you're like you're in a he, good place. he can't get much worse but what if he's just not healthy again 
well then it's then it's it's nothing and 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 he's on a minimum and it's not like it's not like it was last year where he's on 20 million and you're 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 sacrificing things to bring him in like yeah. him being there it's like you, you just say if you're if you're good you're good if you're not you're the you know you're the ninth man and you just won't see more than 18 minutes a game so mm-hmm. i think and i think you know they're they're obviously uh bringing in lowry with butler and then having pj tucker there like pat riley spolster these are players who've been around i think there'll be enough kind of like locker room uh, presence that if Oladipo isn't performing to any sort of reasonable expectation that they won't have a problem with saying that, look, like you're just not, you're not helping us. Like, Get this fucked, is, please. This is what your role is going to be. And I, I think, you know, good luck to Vic Oladipo. He just has to try and take on Lowry, Butler and PJ Tucker. Oh, um, dude, he first has to take on, you have to walk before you can run. He's got to take on Max Truce first. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think B plus A uh, is... Is very good. Let's let's move on to the Warriors. I'm interested to see what you're gonna gonna well, say here. Well, what a good way to end on uh, on my Golden State Warriors, who coming in had all these assets and draft picks and things to do, and ended up just using them. Um, so they drafted Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody in the draft. They re-signed Steph Curry to four for two hundred and fifteen million dollars. They signed Chris Chorizo to a two-way, Chris Scherzer, uh, and then got Andre Godala, Otto Porter Jr., and Nemanja Bielitsa on a minimum. They lost Kelly Oubre Jr., Kent Bazemore, Ellen smiley Geach, how sad, uh, and Nico Manignon, and obviously, as we said before, traded Eric Pascal to the Utah Jazz in one of the weirder trades. Uh, it's like... I woke up on the morning of the draft and was like, geez, I wonder who the Golden State Warriors are going to have on their basketball team by the time this day is done. And like the the reports were shit, nothing's happening, shit, no one's available. What are they going to do? Are they just going to have to take these picks? Like, because Steph Curry said he doesn't want to take these picks, but blah, 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 blah. you have to get something done. Uh, so they drafted two 19 year olds to try and straddle the line. Uh, one of those 19 year olds is apparently one of the most NBA ready 19 year olds ever. I'll believe it when I see it. The other one might be the furthest thing from a ready made prospect in Jonathan. Kaminga, but oh well, uh, still able to be traded halfway through the year. Uh, and look, are the Warriors going for that two windows? Maybe, maybe not. I've given them a B because, in terms of a team that went around and tried to trade everything and tried to move the farm, didn't like their deals. If they had decided that they're not going to do that thing where they trade, like I've said, like the sort of the sort of the, the sort of guy that would be available for this whole what it seemed like was someone in that Nikola Vucevic range where it's like no one's giving up Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard maybe a tier below maybe not Zach Levine maybe it is that Vucevic level so like good thing they didn't pull the trigger on someone who's like a tier three star like you wouldn't trade these two picks for Miles Turner or even one of those picks for Miles Turner maybe fourteen um, or someone like that so like if they're not going to do that I think they did fine they got Jonathan Kaminga who some say is a top four level talent we'll have to see it again uh, and it's just like they did good considering they're not swinging for the fences and getting that superstar. Yeah, I I think they did you know putting putting those those parameters on it. Yes, they did good, but. Uh, I think there needs to be a, you know, a discussion around the fact that they've like misjudged the market quite a bit here. Um, mm. If that was the plan, it was never to make these picks and they've ended up having to make these picks. Um, and I think the two window thing, yes, it's a valuable discussion to be had, but Moses Moody's the 14th pick. And I mean, in what other draft with what other team is anybody ever talking about the 14th pick? 
being like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's really good. And, uh, you know, 7 and 14, like these are, you know, if the Bulls had 7 and 14, they'd be like, well, they weren't high enough to get an actual impact player. But because it's the Warriors, there's a little bit of a change in, uh, in that discussion. Uh, I, I've buried the lead a little bit. I'm going to, I've given them a C plus. Um, but I think with Kaminga and Moody, it's definitely a wait and see. And Iggy's washed. Um, the Elitza wasn't really playing towards the end of last season. And we haven't seen Otto Porter uh, for approximately 10 years. So uh, you know, I think I saw him on 2K. He's still, yeah. he's still <laughs> yeah, he's getting paid $14 million. <laughs> yeah, he's 64 rated these days, probably. Um, yeah, I just think that there's not actually a lot of talent added to this. Uh, roster outside of clay thompson returning um because you just can't you can't bank on Kaminga. you especially can't bank on moody like how many 14th picks have we seen that average eight minutes a game and play you know 40 40 games shake gilgis um, donovan mitchell michael yeah. porter jr but no you're right you make a good point <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean like you know that's yeah uh, pie in the sky i I'd, I'd be happy for you if, if uh if Moses Moody turns into MPJ. Um, but yeah, I've, I've given him a C plus because the, obviously they don't really have a lot of uh, scope for bringing in bigger um, bigger names than what they've done on, on, on the minimums. So wait and see, but yeah, it's definitely nothing that makes me feel super great about this team, better than I did about this team, you know, before. So yeah. C plus. So yeah, I- Look, at least they got Kaminga and it wasn't like Josh Giddy or someone. That- yeah, well, uh, Kaminga was at one point being talked about with those top guys. So yeah. at least you'd be able to say, that, yeah, that there appears to be some some higher upside than the guys picked around him. Oh, yeah, I'm much happier with that than, than anyone else. But um, that'll do us for the first half of these uh, off-season grades. Now, obviously, the Golden State Warriors had a tied record with... No, sorry. They were just ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies. So... um. When we go into the losing conference, uh, what did you say that the winning and losing conference? Uh, start with the Memphis Grizzlies and go was, all the way was, down to the Houston Rockets. It was it was the good and the bad and conference. The good and the bad and that's right. So um, in the meantime, be sure to follow us on all the socials. Check out the deep two dot com. I can't believe it's that easy. The deep two dot com. I can't believe it's not butter. Uh, and Dante, do you want to send us off? Uh, yeah, just make sure with that one as well that you hit up Sean's wonderful piece about the, the dominoes that might fall with the NBA trade market is sure to be heating up with Lillard and Simmons, the big names there. So you can see that, as Sean mentioned, on the deep2.com. And thank you for listening. That's been us. Nice.